Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their worst chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. 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 Four yeah. thumbs down. Oh, six <laughs> thumbs way down. Who's <laughs> <laughs> got two thumbs and is tired? Me. This gal. She goes like this. <laughs> Two thumbs. Me. Got him. Got it. All right. Speaking of me, I'm Kenyon. <laughs> Speaking of me, <laughs> I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. So we have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by the badass bitch, Aubrey Kloop. Ugh. Kloop, there it is. Kloop. There it is. Mm. Scoop in the cloop. Cloop, cloop, ba-doop. Cloop, ba-doop. Cloop, ba-doop, ba-doop, ba-doop. So Aubrey has selected the topic of badass bitches. Oh, yeah. I love this episode mm-hmm. already. It was really hard to pick a case. There are so many badass bitches. Yeah. And there's so many different directions you can go and like ways you can be a yeah. badass mm-hmm. bitch. Yeah. So it was tough. I, yeah, I'm happy with my choice, but I also like want to cover a bunch of the other cases that I stumbled across. I saved so many listicles. Uh huh. (laughs) For later. I have a whole doc on my desktop basically of listicles. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're great places. Literally, like every topic we've ever done has a listicle out there already. Some kind of listicle for it. Mm Yeah. Maybe not foreskin forensics. I bet you I could find it. Foreskin listicle Google oh, search. Here we go. Did you mean foreskin my... testicle? <laughs> what? I just felt like that would be the Google. Oh, no. 90% Results are not great. 90% of my research comes from listicles. So right. even yeah. if not for you guys. It's Definitely how I pick my cases. It's not where, where I get information, yes. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps yeah. me narrow things down because a lot of these topics, like this one, there are so many. Mm-hmm. So, a testicle listicle. Yeah. Yes. So before we get to it, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for badass bitches? Well, it's a very fitting pairing, which... I am. I forgot to chill, so I'm going to leave it until the very last second in my little icebox next to yeah. me. <laughs> because not only is this a badass pairing, there is a badass new special offer from Wink Wine Club, our favorite <laughs> online wine club, which Love delivers wine offer. directly to your door. Mm-hmm. Come morning. and knock on our door. <laughs> wine is waiting for you. So, Wink Wine Club. We love them. They are an incredible online wine club with an unbelievable selection of wines. And I always say this, every time is a great time to dive in and give it a try because Mm -hmm. they're always changing it up. The wines like change with the season. Obviously, that's how plants work. 
<laughs> and right now, for at least a limited time, you can get four bottles for $29.95 plus free shipping from Wink by four going bottles. to- Yeah, four bottles for $29.95 and free shipping. That's like the cost of like one sort of nice bottle. Right? You're getting four super nice bottles. Yeah. yeah. And free shipping. It's a good deal. It's literally the most badass deal. And you can get that deal by heading to trywink.com. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com forward slash wine and crime special. Because Woo. it's special for you and it's from wine and crime. One more time. That's trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special to get four bottles for $29.95 and free shipping from Wink. Mm-hmm. Also, Ugh. Mother's Day is coming up, so you're probably yeah. going to want the wine. Enjoy mm-hmm. your last minute gift for mom and mm-hmm. refuge for you. Mm-hmm. So today we are drinking the Sister Snake Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, that's a good nice. one. <laughs> right? Felt Very like the nice. right pairing yeah. because whether we take a path of like evil badassery mm-hmm. or maybe like chaotic good badassery, mm-hmm. Sister Snake, it Works. fits. Yeah. You're my Sister Snakes. You yeah. two are too. My twin snakes. Oh. Like the gummies. <laughs> this is a beautiful, crisp, succulent Sauv Blanc. From mm. the Western Cape region of South Africa. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good wine. Yes. It's fruit forward, but with a nice dry finish. Um, you're going to get tasting notes of grapefruit, lemon, mandarin, orange, pineapple, mm. like these really kind of tart, tart, citrusy. You're speaking mm. malang. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. It's so good. It is, uh, they describe it as a snappy Sauvignon Blanc with just the right bite, which I feel like is perfect. I need this Mm -hmm. now. Add to cart. Yeah. It's also open the app immediately. Please do. It's also sustainably made and it is incredibly well balanced. It has a nice, bright, zippy citrus note that's tempered by just a hint of those tropical fruits. So that's where that uh, pineapple comes in. So it's not like, all acidic, all tart. It's like mellowed out by like a, just a touch of sweetness. Finish is nice and dry. It's perfect. It's like your new dream wine for the summer. So just go go load up on it right now. And Sauv Blanc is like the sisterhood wine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Drinking it now, honey. Mm-hmm. About to. Uh, light and body, 12.6% ABV. So it's going to get you there, but it's not going to knock your sacks up, you know? Um, and for all my diabetic friends, low sugar winemaking. Nice. Get after it. All right. Let me reach out of the frame momentarily to fetch this out of my icebox <laughs> and pray that it's like a little bit cold. I didn't prepare. <laughs> I'm logging into my Wink app right now to order this shit. Ugh. I might order a mini fridge. I mean, it's not going to be perfect yet, but it'll be good. The pop? I'm the the wine temperature. Oh. <laughs> I did the best I could. Once I pour myself a little taste, I'll put the bottle back. It's available. Fridge. Sister Snake, it's available. Yeah, it's not <laughs> sold out. It's not sold out. Load up. Getting Load several up. bottles. 
I mean, if you use three triweek.com forward slash four line and crime special twenty nine ninety five. Put four you know in there. I'm going right now. Too. There's another. There's another Sauvignon Blanc that's described as quaffable. Our favorite. I love a quaffable sauv. <laughs> Getting a couple All of right. those. I almost popped without popping. We ready? Premature mm-hmm. pop. I almost premature popped. <laughs> Here we go. Ooh. Oh. Straight hey, to delicate. Such a delicate pop. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to pour myself what just a, a bit pop. in my Plant Ahead Salt Your Dead rocks glass. Nice. And then put this back in the fridge so that when I reload... At the end of Lucy's case, it'll actually be cold. All right. Well, speaking of Lucy's seg. Oh, yeah, what not case. Is, seg. What We've is only our been doing this for four years. Background and maybe psych for badass bitches. I'm, I'm curious to see what direction you go with this. Well, kind of funny that we're doing Karen crimes and badass bitches consecutively because my segment is sort of related to last week's segment about Karen crimes. Mm-hmm. So today I'm going to focus on the word bitch. Oh. It's a lot to unpack here. Miriam Webster. It's just the song bitch, bitch by Meredith Brooks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, which I listen to. We might get to it. Daily? So good. It's my theme song. Yeah. It's my anthem. Mm-hmm. Miriam Webster has a robust definition with, as always, some oddly specific examples that I'm pretty <laughs> sure are just pulled off the internet, like, Mm auto-populated. Great. Because they're so absurd. So as a noun, bitch means the female of the dog or some other carnivorous animals. Mm -hmm. As an example sentence, the behavioral endocrinology of both male dogs and bitches is quite unique and differs from that of most other mammals. I also found out that male dogs are called studs. Yeah. Oh. studs and bitches. Yeah, but you never hear them. They never call the stud the stud. You know no. what I mean? So I it's mean, always very jarring in, when you hear breeding, like a dog do. breeder. Yeah, but not just like yeah. on the daily. Like right. a stud. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that both have been like used as outside of uh, animal husbandry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so 2A. It's an informal and often offensive, meaning a malicious, spiteful, or overbearing woman. Woman. To be an unquaffable woman. (laughs) (laughs) To be informal and offensive, used as a generalized term of abuse and disparagement for a woman. Mm -hmm. Number three, informal, something that is extremely difficult, objectionable, or unpleasant. So, for example, aspirin overdoses are a bitch to treat. Okay, specific. Okay. You're right. Okay, making holla is a bitch. How about that? <laughs> July and August are always a bitch in the subway. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can smell it. Blech. Number four. I can taste, I can taste July <laughs> yeah. on the subway. Ew. Yeah, it's pungent. <laughs> That's gross. That's Gwyneth Paltrow's next candle. Oh, no. <laughs> How would she know? She's That's definitely fair. never been on the subway. True. Ever in her True. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Informal as a complaint, for example, my biggest bitch with all of CBS's golf is that there's no personalization. Or can I just bitch for a second? Just a second. About yeah. CBS's golf. Mm-hmm. Well, that's used as a verb the way that you just said it but this is like as a noun my biggest bitch my biggest complaint complaint. but as a verb bitched bitching bitches the definition of to bitch as an intransitive verb is to 
complain. As bitch has sh- got a bitch. Bitch has got a bitch, clearly. We, we're making a living off of bitching. Yeah, True. there's a lot to bitch about. As a transitive verb, one, to spoil or botch, they bitched up their lives. All right. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a stretch. Some of these are a stretch. Yeah, that's not that's Some not of these a are sentence. a bitch. Maybe like in Australia where they like have weird lingo. Or their like, toilets flush the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, like. To bitch something up? up? No, that's not a thing. <laughs> I bitched up the shrimp on the babby. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of our Australian listeners unsubscribe. Our, our Apple podcast reviews are about to get bitched up. <laughs> that dingo really bitched up that baby. Oh, no. Too <laughs> soon. Not, yeah, Too no. soon. I mean, it's been a while. <laughs> Or to cheat or double cross or to complain of or about. So clearly this is quite a versatile word. And here are Mm. some more examples from Urban Dictionary because Urban Dictionary is fucking absurd. So as a term of endearment, hey, bitch. Mm -hmm. Yes. Joy. little bitch. Exactly. Spooky little bitch. Yeah. Joy. Oh, my God, bitch. Anticipation. Bitch, guess what? (laughs) <laughs> in shock or pain for example I stubbed my toe ah bitch <laughs> son of a bitch yeah son of a bitch <laughs> I usually say Jesus fucking Christ yeah that's my go to also my, works my new go to is just balls <laughs> call a priest call, call the priest <laughs> call a priest I stubbed my toe call the priest go listen to special thanks for that God Throwback. Damn it. We were hammered. Hammered last night. <laughs> that was amazing. Okay. Uh Envy. She's such a bitch. This bitch. Fear. Bitch, what was that noise? <laughs> Surprise. Bitch. <laughs> Warning. Bitch, don't try me. Or mm-hmm. despair. Bitch. Oh, I didn't get the last one, but whatever. What about like? I feel like there's also like a, I, there's also like to be a little bitch, which is not quite the same as to we'll, be. We'll get to it. Okay, we'll get. To it. I've it's got still a lot. Misogynist. My notes are right. girthy this week. Okay. Oh, fuck. So this is from Wikipedia, and it is crucial to note. That the phrase, the phrase bitch please redirects to this page. But there's like a song, there's like a song by Eminem that's its own page. And there's a song by Snoop Dogg that's its own page. But if you just do bitch please without the comma, it redirects to the Wiki- Wikipedia page for bitch. Okay. It sent me around in circles. <laughs> bitch Apparently. is a, a wild bitch chase. <laughs> <laughs> a wild goose bitch. Hmm. bitch is a pejorative slang word for a person usually a woman when applied to a woman or girl it means someone who is belligerent unreasonable malicious controlling aggressive or dominant when applied to a man or boy bitch reverses its meaning and is a derogatory term for being subordinate weak or cowardly so a little bitch yeah amazing yeah that it means the opposite things for a man. Mm-hmm. It's just the undesirable traits for either stereotypical right. binary gender. Mm-hmm. Right. Clearly the word fosters sexism on both sides. And yet is it is one of the most common swear words in the English language. Mm. According to Dr. Timothy J., 
There are over 70 different taboo words in English, but 80% of the time, only 10 of those words are used and bitch is included in that set. So it's a top 10. It's a top 10. <sighs> also, there are Look only at that 70 ta- taboo words. Top 10 taboo words. <laughs> yeah, listicle. I want that whole list. I want to make it into wallpaper. I think fuck <laughs> is number one. But I'm wondering if like bitch and son of a bitch are two different ones or ass and asshole are two different ones. Maybe. No, I feel like then it would be a much bigger list. Don't you? There's no I way to find know. this list. I didn't look I'm up. I'm not going to look for the list. I didn't look up the list. But I did find a map that shows the prevalence of the word bitch across the United States. And it shows that it's much more common in the South and much less so between the Mississippi River and the Continental Divide. There is a photo on the drive of this map. Also, FYI, the word with the biggest concentration in Minnesota is darn. I didn't see this <laughs> As map. a taboo word. Yeah, it's like so a swear. T- so it's so taboo. Darn. Darn. This, this map is... Basically, it's like not used hardly at all in like the middle of the country. And then like the south, the east, like the deep south was like bright red. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So the term bitch, as I stated, literally means a female dog, fox, wolf, or otter. Female wolves? Well, no, not that's obvious. Female foxes? Female otters are called Yeah, that's the weird one. (laughs) Yeah, they're all weird. Yeah. I only knew the dog one, really. It applies to all, like, canines, which would include wolves Mm -hmm. and, like, I guess fox, but otters 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 feels like an outlier, yeah. Mm -hmm. Its original use as a vulgarism carried a meaning suggesting high sexual desire in a woman comparable to a dog in heat. That's where it yeah, came from. I've still heard a bitch in heat. Yeah. Ugh. As like a phrase. Ugh. Yeah. It's kind of old timey. A bitch in mm-hmm. heat. I like how that old timey misogyny just hits. It hits just <laughs> yeah. right. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> really rolls slapped. off the tongue because of the casual ways they used it back in the day. <laughs> Fits like a fits like a gossip at the corpse cart sweatshirt from the <laughs> wine and crime merch store. <laughs> nice. Hugs you. Hugs you tight. Nice and long. Or loose, depending on how you order mm-hmm. your shirts. I love them loose. The range of meanings has expanded loose in modern. Is a Ick. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Should I add that to the big cartel description? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. No, long, yes. flowing, and loose yes. like a bitch in heat. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Please. No. The range of meanings has expanded in modern usage, such as when applied to a man. In or a f- sweatshirt. Oh, my Lord. In a feminist context, it can indicate a strong or assertive woman and has therefore been reappropriated by some women. So, for example, bitch media which publishes Bitch Magazine, among Mm -hmm. other things, Mm -hmm. and whose statement is in part, Bitch Media's mission is to provide and encourage an engaged, thoughtful feminist response to mainstream media and popular culture. The writer Rebecca West said, quote, people call me a feminist whenever I express sentiments that differentiate me from a doormat. Mm -hmm. We'd argue that the word bitch is usually deployed for the same purpose. When it's being used as an insult, Bitch is an epithet hurled at women who speak their minds, who have opinions and don't shy away from expressing them, and who don't sit by and smile uncomfortably if they're bothered or offended. If being an outspoken woman means being a bitch, we'll take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Bitches Sign me get up. shit done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
According to the Oxford English Dictionary, good old OED, the term bitch comes from the old English word, and I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. Bitch. 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 Or bitch. Bitch. Bocce ball, meaning female dog, which dates to around 1000 CE. It may have derived from Christ the- even. <laughs> it may have derived from the earlier Old Norse word "bicha," also meaning female dog. So, dog has long been used as an insult toward both women and men. In ancient Greece, dog was often used in a derogatory sense to refer to someone whose behavior was improper or transgressive. Mm. This could include or a bounty hunter. Oh, the bounty hunter. hunter. My cameo from Dog the Bounty Hunter is my favorite thing. I need you to resend it to me because it's, I, I forgot to save it and I really want to cherish it. It's in my email. <laughs> I'll forward it to you both. Please, please do. It's, I regularly We've already talked about this, but I have so little sense of who this is. <laughs> Dog the Bounty Hunter? Like, I know that name. Kenyon, was, about Kenyon was an expat during the peak of dogs' relevance. So Does I don't he blame search her. for dogs. No, he's a he's bounty, a bounty hunter. hunter of like okay. humans. Okay, his we've talked about cancer. this. I just don't remember. He has an incredible peroxide blonde mullet. Yes. with like strands of it, like beaded and braided. You know, it's a mess. He's Hawaiian. You'll recognize him when you see him on the cameo. The moment you see him, you'll recognize him. (laughs) Oh, God. This could include uh, shamelessness or a lack of restraint, lack of hospitality, lack of loyalty, and indiscriminate or excessive violence, among other qualities. Over time, classicist C. Franco argues a, quote, persistent symbolic connection developed between dogs and women in Greek literature that expressed and reinforced women's subordinate position in the society and their supposedly inferior nature. Okay, so just because women have good bonding relationships with animals... <laughs> now... I don't think that's what... I don't my think love of why. dogs... <laughs> So because I love Greek dogs, I'm a bitch? (laughs) Is that what I'm getting? Just because (laughs) I am incensed. I love Greek dogs. Okay. (laughs) I don't know where Amanda was when I was reading that, but I think you missed the point. (laughs) I only heard the parts I needed to hear. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) But I... That women have a deep, unwavering connection with no, dogs. That's not at all. No, that's exact. That's saying. verbatim what she said. It's fine. Okay. We'll keep going. She might catch up later. <laughs> She'll tune back in at some point. Talk more about dog kinship, female and dog kinship. Good I'm in. lord. Okay. Still missing it. Okay. There may also be a connection between. Less literal senses of bitch and the Greek goddess Artemis. As she is the goddess of the hunt, she was often portrayed with a pack of hunting dogs and sometimes transformed into an animal herself, like an anamorph. Yes. Cool. She was seen as free, vigorous, cold, impetuous, unsympathetic, wild, and beautiful. Okay, well, I love love her. Yeah. (laughs) Old. (laughs) 
Cold. Cold. I, check. I strive to <laughs> one day check. be cold. Check. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a frigid uh, bitch, personally. From English language historian Jeffrey Hughes, quote, the early applications were to were to a promiscuous or sensual woman, a metaphorical extension of the behavior of a bitch in heat. Herein mm. lies the original point of the powerful insult, son of a bitch, which was no. uh, originally said as beach, beachison around mm. the year 1330 in the is Shakespeare, the Arthur and Merlin. Is oh. that Shakespeare? Oh, so with a spirited exchange in the Chester play around 1400, a character demands, whom callest thou queen, scab de bitch? Which translates to, who are you calling a whore, you miserable bitch? Okay, well, I love that. I wrote, isn't I said really queen, but it's not like, not Shakespeare. No, but isn't Shakespeare like... Arthur and Merlin. Didn't Isn't Shakespeare responsible for like a lot of modern day pro, quote unquote yes, profanity? But he was yes. way later than this. Yeah. yeah. He was hundreds of years later than this. Well, but the King dang. Arthur stories were just like stories that were passed down. And then eventually like La Mort d'Arthur became a thing. And I don't know. We're now reaching Thomas Mallory. We're now reaching the end of my knowledge. Well, let's... We've uh, arrived at that end. Don't email us. Don't add me. <laughs> the entry for bitch in Francis Gross's Diary of the Vulgar Tongue, which I yes, need. order it. Well, it was yeah, written that's a in, business expense. It was mm-hmm. written in 1765, so it might just be like one tome in it's like... A, it's a pamphlet. It's a pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this reads... Quote, a she-dog or dogess, the most offensive appellation that can be given to an English woman. Even I'm more- calling Lucy a dogess from now on. <laughs> no, not Lucy. Dog-ass. I don't know why I said Lucy. I meant Callie. <laughs> My pet. So many dogs are named God. I'm going to choose to ignore that. I mean, there are very few beings on this planet that I love more than my dog. So <laughs> it's kind of a compliment to mix you two up. <laughs> Equally stunning, lovable. I'm going to move on. <laughs> I've I have no I have nothing to say to that. Okay. <laughs> my sweet dog is even more provoking than that of whore and may be gathered from the regular Billingsgate or St. Giles answer, which are neighborhoods in London. Mm. I may be a whore, but I'm not a bitch. No. Oh. So, bit, like a bitch was so like... take mm. that. In 1765, really bitch was basically like the word cunt today. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it sounds like the offensiveness of the word really peaked in the 19th century and then became increasingly less insulting, probably due to overuse. Mm-hmm. In the 1920s, the word came back in vogue as an insult to women. Great. Between mm-hmm. 1915 and 1930, the use of bitch in newspapers and literature more than doubled. Wow. Mm. That feels like early to be using the word bitch in newspapers. Doesn't yeah. It? I don't know. You're the it's one with the newspapers. Never too early for misogyny. <laughs> I know. I just feel like I'd be surprised to see the word "bitch" spelled out in a newspaper today. It's misogyny o'clock somewhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. 
That was so dumb. It landed. The writings of Ernest Hemingway popularized the more modern meaning of bitch in this era. So he used it to represent favorable qualities such as ferocity, edginess, and grit. Mm. And I can't wait to go to the Hemingway house in Mm. Key West. Although a misogynist monster in many other ways, Mm. I do love his works and his house in (laughs) Key West. All the cats with all the fingers. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was during this time that women began gaining more freedom, such as the right for white women to vote through the 19th Amendment. These new civil rights that women, some women gained, upset the male-dominated society, threatening misogynist men of the time. Mm -hmm. The word bitch during the 20s meant malicious or consciously attempting to harm, difficult, annoying, or interfering, and sexually brazen or overly vulgar. Mm -hmm. Just throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. See what bitch. (laughs) If they complain, just call them a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That'll shut them up. The word has evolved quite a bit in the 20th century. In the 19- quite a bitch. Quite a bitch. In the 1939 film The Women, so fabulous, also based on a fabulous play by Claire Booth Luce. Have you seen the original The Women, not the atrocious Luce remake? Luce as a bitch in heat. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a no? Claire no. Booth Luce as a bitch in heat. I have not seen it. Okay, thank you for <laughs> As Kenyon continues to see if Luce. no one heard her or just <laughs> the joke wasn't funny, I will answer your Luce. question. So nobody heard me. That's a page no. out of my book. <laughs> did, did you guys hear my joke? Did you, did you <laughs> okay, so in the movie, Joan Crawford could only allude to the word by saying, and by the way, there's a name for you ladies, but it isn't used in high society outside of a kennel. It starts oh. with a B and it rhymes with itch. <laughs> and it stands for pool. <laughs> with a capital B and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. <laughs> so bitchin' arose in the 1950s oh, yeah. to describe something as cool. Oh, that well, bring that back. Bitchin'. Bitchin' was in the 1950s. I associate that with m- much later. Yeah. Well, it, it started in the 1950s. Wasn't it, it like in the like eighties? Like that's when it was most popularized, but it okay. was in yeah. the nineteen fifties. Interesting. Okay. It was the sixties. Feminist attorney Joe Freeman wrote in nineteen sixty eight the the bitch manifesto. Have quote, read that. Have you really? Yeah. Nice. Quote A bitch takes shit from no one. You may not like her, but you cannot ignore her. Bitches have loud voices and often use them. Bitches are not pretty. Bitches seek their identity strictly through themselves and what they do. They are subjects, not objects. Often they do dominate other people when roles are not available to them, which more creatively sublimate their energies and utilize their capabilities. More often they are accused of domineering when doing what would be considered natural by a man. Yeah. Uh I think bitches are pretty. Well, that's I'm not pretty. their primary purpose. I think right. They don't. Say. They don't have to care about being pretty. They don't. They're not ornaments. Mm-hmm. In 1974, Elton John had a number four hit called "The Bitch Is Back," yes. but it was censored by a lot of radio stations, despite the word being said 42 times in the song. It was the whap of its day. Incredible. So it's just like a can you a imagine Swiss cheese of a song. 
just the pearl clutching. <laughs> and like, I'm sure in 1974, they didn't have like a rip, 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 like how they do in songs to kind right. of censor words. They just kind of mm-hmm. yeah. gloss over, like warp them. Mm-hmm. So it was probably like, beep. <laughs> I really need to give the edited version of the bitches back a listen later today. Yeah. That's going to be my wind down after this episode. Yeah. The snitch is back. I bet there's a bitch playlist on Spotify that is only songs with the word bitch. Guarantee there is. Yeah. Okay. Here's an idea Mm. for cortisone cream, like for bug bites. They could say the itch is back. I like oh. that. And that's their theme song. I like mm-hmm. that. But then that probably wouldn't promote how good the product is. Well, it could be at the beginning of the commercial where like the mosquito, the cartoon mosquito was like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then you shut it down. Mm-hmm. Kenyon is By just slapping it and mad men. bursting everywhere. <laughs> mad men level genius. Uh, well, I did have my first client for... Reunion T-shirt <laughs> phraseology, and that's we all I'm just launched say. that emporium last night. I know it's I a had secret. A Don't worry about it. I can't believe you brought that up. You two conspired behind my back. Anyway, bitch has also been. <gasps> Are you making T-shirts for our live show? Uh, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Let's move on. Bitch has also been reappropriated by hip hop culture. Rappers use the adjective bad bitch to refer to an independent, confident, attractive woman. The term is used in a complimentary way, meaning the woman is desirable. So one of the first instances of bitch being used in this way is in the song Da Baddest Bitch by Trina, released in 1999. I like. Nice. Mm -hmm. God, I got to listen to WAP soon. I Mm. fuck. Love that song. (laughs) Despite the word becoming less offensive, it's still not appropriate in a formal setting. It's also typically censored on primetime TV. Linguist Deborah Tannen says, quote, bitch is the most contemptible thing you can say about a woman, save perhaps the four letter C word. Which Mm. I love. I don't have a lot of people hate it. My mom like really cannot even. My mom also hates it. I don't have a problem with bitch or cunt. They just don't affect me in any way. I know. I just don't care at all. But if Mm -hmm. some people do care, then obviously, like, yeah, sure. Well, there are a lot of connotations and there's a lot of misogynist history behind those words. So maybe we haven't completely reclaimed them yet. But we're starting to. The first time I ever heard the word cunt, I had never, ever heard it before in my life. Mm -hmm. Never come across it was at the Vagina Monologues. Mm. When, when we, we were, were in like, like freshmen mm. in high school, maybe? Yeah, we were in like ninth grade. Yeah, and we wore, mm. I like pro-choice We purchased them there. T-shirts, yeah. Yeah. I th- didn't yeah. Amanda get in trouble for wearing that to school? I wore it on the morning announcements, and there was a whole school board meeting about it that I <laughs> never knew about. <laughs> because oh, clearly they never brought any charges against me. I wore charges. that thing to school all the all time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the time. It was like my favorite Mm t-shirt. Anyway, so that was the first time I ever heard the C word, cunt, and we had to chant it as an audience to like reclaim it. And I was like, (laughs) this is awesome. With just our moms. (laughs) That was like a really radical theatrical experience. That was was fun. fun. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. Take your young children to the vagina monologues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, depends on young. But take your age enough appropriate children to we the retirement We were teenagers. Level. It was Age fine. enough yeah. appropriate. <laughs> well, we still had to be driven by our moms, but still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The increased usage of the word bitch casually or in a friendly way by women has been characterized by Cheryl Kleinman as Crow. a... The crows have eyes. As a result of the absorption of sexist culture by women. Such mm. usage has been cited by Klein, Kleinman et al. as increasing the perception that the word is acceptable and excusing men who use it against women. Mm-mm. It's also argued that harmful words are often reappropriated by the groups they refer to, for example, the N-word by the black community mm-hmm. and the word queer by the gay community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Asia Lane's article, Now That's a Bad Bitch, the state of women in hip hop says, quote, the change in the meaning of the word thus subverts the tool, the tools of oppression used to dominate women to now empower them. I feel like I'm back in an intro women's studies course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we are doing our like final presentations. Like Feels I'm good. just feeling very Feels nostalgic good. right now. Mm-hmm. So there are several backronyms. Heartless Bitches International is a club with the slogan. Is a backronym a bitch acronym? <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. I, I really thought. Then I really don't get what it is then. It's a, yeah, what's a backronym? I will explain it in about two seconds. Okay. So Heartless Bitch, Bitches. hurry up. <laughs> I'm trying, you bitches. Because we know. I didn't say it. Because we know bitch means Being in total control, honey. Other imagined acronyms include beautiful, intelligent, talented, creative, and honest. Or beautiful individual that causes hard-ons. Oh, my God. Or babe in total control of herself. So a backronym is an acronym that I hate. A bad acronym. (laughs) A bad acronym. Oh, okay. I think a backronym is just you have an existing word and then you imagine you invent what the acronym is. Uh, it's a backward. It's a retroactive acronym. Got a backronym. A retractonym. A bad acronym. <laughs> yes. It's a bad. Okay. So just last, a few bad acronyms. Last but not least, I found a YouTube tutorial on American slang and I found uh, the episode for the word bitch and it is so amazing. So the instructor, her name is Ronnie, talks about how ESL learners often say beach instead of bitch. Mm. So she suggests the following for pronunciation practice. Repeat after me. Okay. There were many bitches at the beach. There were, <laughs> there were many, many bitches, bitches at, at the, the beach. beach. <laughs> so she says it like a couple of times in the video. I also have some screen grabs while I was watching this. If you want to see Ronnie and see, like, her whole whiteboard of, like, diagramming the word bitch. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's amazing. At one point when explaining how the word is used as a noun, she had a pop-up of Donald Trump. Saw it. So good. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, these screenshots of Ronnie are priceless. (laughs) Also, in the context of prison, which she's teaching this on the internet to presumably young people around the world. Well, it's hard to learn English. English is really tough. Well, and when you take ESL in like a classroom setting, they're not necessarily teaching you vulgar slang. So this is really helpful. I love it. Mm -hmm. So she says in the context of prison, quote, he's my bitch. And then she Mm. says, that means when a man is submissive and then winks at the camera. Okay, oh my problematic God, Ronnie. phrase. Ronnie. Yeah. 
She's playing fast and loose. She's yeah. explaining language. She's not creating it. She's yeah. not responsible for people using it. She's explaining it. She's so funny. Another gem example. She says, guess what, Bob? I'm not your bitch. Get your own beer. Okay, so Love I have that. an anecdote. So when I was a foreign exchange student in France and learning French, there was a feminist movement in France that was really popular and, and rising called ni put ni soumise, which means neither whores nor submissives. Okay. And it's, it's yeah, it was just like a feminist thing, like, you know, don't put us in these, don't put baby in a corner, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I was just, I was caught up in learning a language and I didn't quite put together th- like soumise submissive i just kind of like half understood it at you the didn't time. know what the word meant like the connotations yeah the connotations i guess like i sort of half understood it i knew that it meant like taking orders from someone mm-hmm. is how i was thinking of it in my head i wasn't thinking of it as like submissive mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm so I had a host sister who was like six years old at the time, and she was like oh, really, God. you know, she was a six-year-old. She was like my sister, so she was like telling me what to do and whatever. And like, and I shouted as like an anxious teenager. I was like, I'm not your sumis. Like, I don't take orders from you kind right. of, but like in French. <laughs> and my host mom, like, because <laughs> I meant to say like I'm not your maid, or, like, or I'm not your bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not your bitch. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. He basically said like I'm not your bottom. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Or it just was like a really wrong context for using that word. Remember, mm-hmm. I'm not you- your submissive. Remember, six year old. Do you remember when you asked for condoms at the breakfast table from your French family? Oh. I don't remember that. I remember yeah, asking for, for a preservatives. Thinking yes. it was jelly, but that means condoms. It means oh, that's condoms. Funny. I had a Spanish yeah. instructor who tried to say that he was embarrassed at a dinner and oh, yeah. he used the word embarrassado. Pregnant. Which is yeah, not <laughs> what that meant. And everyone at the table bursts out laughing and they're like, Well, you're embarrassed now because you just yeah. told everyone that you're pregnant, sir. Oops. In French, um, excited, like excité. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean excited. It means horny. Aroused. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. language learning. It's tough. Anyway, bitch. Well, let's get back to Ronnie because she's this bitch full of amazing moments. So at one point, she's again explaining all the different ways you can use bitch and all their different nuances. So she s- says, "Quote: We also talk about people being a two-faced bitch." Hi, Vanessa. Mm. Oh. <laughs> That's my cousin's name. We don't mean you, Vanessa. We mean Vanessa. I mean, Whoever does Vanessa did Ronnie, know Ronnie? Wrong. Yeah. yeah. Who the did fuck? Ronnie dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie also says, on TV, you probably can't say son of a bitch. Come on, TV, lighten up. Yep. <laughs> okay, Ronnie is Ronnie's my precious. hero. So lastly, she also specifically references Kristen Stewart in Twilight when explaining resting bitch face. The accuracy. There's a photo on the drive mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And then Ronnie says, quote, she was married or boyfriend or girlfriend of that guy who smelled bad. I don't know his name. Anyway. <laughs> She's like, Robert all about Kristen Pattinson? Stewart. They she were dating. Ta- they weren't I, married. Does he smell bad? 
Apparently, Ronnie thinks so. Okay. Has so Ronnie anyway, shout out to Ronnie from Robert English Sin? <laughs> Probably. That's what so I want to know. Shout out to Ronnie from English English Lessons for You on YouTube. You are a fucking gem. Wow. English and life lessons mm. for I'm, you, Ronnie. If you're listening, I want to be not, your friend. But if you are, mm-hmm. you don't know. Anyway, well done. That's my seg. I love it. Yeah. Thanks. You're a bad bitch. Thanks. Mm. Spooky little bitch. Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Yes. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Offering glasses, sunglasses, contact lenses, and eye exams, Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores. It's like a one-stop shop. I love Warby Parker. I have several pairs of their glasses. I have two pairs of their sunglasses. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And like Amanda said, super affordable. Glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses, mm-hmm. sunglasses, progressives, and the, the blue light lenses are also yes. available. I spend all day, every day in front of a computer. I have yep. got to give these blue light lenses a try. Mm-hmm. And they also have an online quiz. You know we love a good quiz. It's so easy. And I've taken it several times. Every time I order a new pair of glasses, I take that quiz again. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I'm seeing all new frames. Yeah. And they have a home try-on program where you just, you can put up to five frames in your, in your little cart and they send it to you for free with just mm-hmm. like regular clear, uh, not prescription lenses. Right. You can try them on. You can poll your friends. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I love That's it. That's what I did to just get a most the most recent pair of prescription sunglasses I got. And I took photos and then sent them to all of you guys and you all weighed in. Mm-hmm. It was our, so fun. Our friend Scott did that too. It just mm-hmm. couldn't be easier. They make it really, really simple to find a pair of glasses that just fits your face like yeah. a glove. It's the best. So try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. It's all done. So try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com forward slash gals and treat your frames. Trade them. It can be hard to make and stick to a habit, even mm-hmm. if it's a habit that benefits your bod. Yeah. It's just really, it's just habits, man. Mm-hmm. But you know who makes it very easy to develop and stick to a healthy habit is care of. Mm. So you've probably heard us talk about these before. Little packets, customized Little vitamins. Oh, so good. That you just take every day. Just pop it in your bag, take them on the go, whatever. Amanda, you keep them in your bathroom, above your bathroom sink? I do. Yeah. So Care-of's vitamins are so high quality. So it's their their products plus personalization. Couldn't mm-hmm. be easier. All of Care-of's products are formulated with good-for-you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. They're also super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each of their products. You know exactly where it came from. You know exactly what it does in plain old English. Yeah, and it makes it clear as to why that product is being recommended for you. And you get those products recommended for you by taking their easy and amazing and thorough online quiz. This is like one of the best 
product quizzes I have ever taken in my life. It's an in-depth online quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. So I talked about in my quiz, um, like being a type one diabetic. I talked about wanting to get better sleep. I talked about skincare goals, like all kinds of things that helped them formulate a specific, you know, different amalgam of of recommended vitamins. A that regimen. Are gonna, yeah, a regimen that are going to address the things that I specifically want to address. And then it makes it so easy. So you can just spring into a healthy mindset and lifestyle as the spring is here, you know? And like I said, care of makes it easy. They can declutter your cabinet and replace that mess of bottles, like the graveyard of vitamin bottles. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if vitamins expire, but it's mm -hmm. a graveyard. It's a graveyard in there, folks. It is. And with this, you can get this dispenser with like little convenient daily vitamin packs. And Lucy talked about how easy they are. So all of your vitamins for each day are in these packs. And then they're personalized with like a nice little message on the pack to just get your day going for you. Yes, I love that. So for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code GALS50. That's G-A-L-S-5-0. One more time, for 50% off your first care of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code GALS50 and treat your bod. Treat it. Are we ready for my case? Yes. Usually not, but here we go. It's not... I mean, if you, like, really think about it, it's dark. <laughs> I don't really think, so... <laughs> Amanda's fine. I'm good. It's more I'm immune. It's like dark in the abstract... Okay. okay, that's my favorite kind of darkness. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Mm -hmm. A little existential dread. Mm. Yeah. Talk salad and existential dread. <laughs> oh, my. It's my foreplay, Your honey. next tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Toss salad and scrambled existential dread. <laughs> I love... You just have a whole Seattle-themed quadrant. For no reason <laughs> at all. You've been there once. One time, for and I didn't see the space needle. No, we were there for more than 24 hours. But no, I refused to believe. We were there for one, one night. night. Yeah. And I got my tattoo there. You did. We had a really fun night out in, in Seattle. That was the day of my breakdown, so I needed a night to myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. Lucy stayed in. And I yep. got after it. After the, the end of show. tour breakdowns are very real. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, you kind of had a breakdown in the green room. Mm -hmm. In Seattle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I had to call my mom. You had to take yeah. care of the merch booth. Yeah. But then your, your little... 90s buns were so, so cute. I know. That, you that bounced back. You guys did my hair. It cheered me up. You bounced back for the three hours that we just, that Needed. stage health, and then you were done. You yeah. went back to I'll the hotel. I'll see you guys at the airport in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> basically. We yeah. didn't see you again until climbing into a cab. I needed that, that time, so. A thousand percent. We supported it. That was me it. in San Francisco. We I got hammered. nothing of San Francisco and just slept all day. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I don't remember you even being in San Francisco. <laughs> no, neither do I. Amazing. Okay, so my case. 
non sequitur. It's out of Russia. Of it's been a minute. I know. Since you've gone back to the motherland. <laughs> I have. So you know it's going to be bonks. Mm. And so let's get right into it. Maria Leontevna Frolkova. Okay. Mm. Russian. Russian. Who would eventually be described in a New York Times obituary as, quote, a pugnacious, formidable, and semi-literate peasant (laughs) bitch so she doesn't make it she died nobody makes it out of russia not if you're a pugnacious formidable semi-literate peasant bitch (laughs) she was born that's a lot in july i just loved when i saw the obit line i was like yep my case is chosen picked She was born in July of 1889 in Nikolsko, a small town on the bank of the Yug River. Yug. Tug a Yug. (laughs) Don't Yug my yum. (laughs) She had huge Yugs. (laughs) Yugga, Yugga. (laughs) So stupid. Unbelievable. Is Is it spelled like Jug, but you're pronouncing it Yug? No, it's with a Y. It's uh, Y-U-G. It's probably pronounced Yug. It's probably pronounced Jug. We're going yug with Yug. Was funnier. We're going with Yug. <laughs> yug all day. Yug for the win. <laughs> so Maria's childhood was, as they say, yug nasty, takes. brutish, and short. Aww. It was yugly. <laughs> it really was awful, though. Like, not joking. Oh, God. It was yugly. Her father was an alcoholic who regularly abused Maria and her three sisters. That's not good. No. I don't like that. When she was 15 years old, probably to just try to get away from home, she married a man named Afanasi Bokarev and became Maria Bokareva. Okay. So that's mainly what we'll be calling her through the rest of this. Okay. Maria Bokareva. The newlyweds moved to Tomsk. In beautiful Siberia, where they worked as laborers. (laughs) There is very little that sounds less appealing than being a laborer (laughs) in Siberia. Mm -hmm. I'd rather take a dip in the yug. (laughs) (laughs) Dip my jugs in the yug. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, a form of torture was their career. Yikes. But soon, Maria's new husband became abusive, and so she left him. Mm. She then found work ostensibly as a servant to a private family, but the job was not what it initially seemed, and Maria's employers coerced her into working as a sex worker in a brothel that they were running, so she was literally sex trafficked. Ugh. So it's actually her life story up to this point and a little bit longer follows like a very classic pattern that still exists today of like Mm -hmm. a child is born into an abusive home. There's maybe some addiction issues. Mm -hmm. They try to escape either by running away or by like early marriage. Mm -hmm. But then they are re-victimized. Then Mm -hmm. they escape that. Then they are re-victimized again, possibly traffic because they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. So nothing's changed in a hundred years. Since how long has man been yeah. on two legs? Manning. Manning. 
So she eventually escaped this situation when she met and married a man named Yaakov Buk and helped him to open a butcher open a butcher shop. It's unclear whether or not he was a client of the brothel. Maybe. Possible. But she gets out. She marries him. So second husband. However, in 1912, Yaakov was arrested for larceny and exiled from the city. And it's important to know that he was also Jewish. So that might have played a role in why he was like, exiled mm. because mm-hmm. anti-semitism in russia especially mm. like during this time was Big really thing. rampant there were still like pogroms yeah but, i was gonna mm. say pogrom 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 hmm. i know i had trouble with that one for a long time but it's pogrom okay. so it's pronounced program you're being very <laughs> facetious get with program. the program <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not touching that no. So I didn't. Oh, not at all. Hot potato. <laughs> so, Ouch. It burns. So anyway, but he it does seem like he did commit some crimes, but I just feel like being like exiled was probably related to him being mm-hmm. Jewish. The punishment was clearly harsher than necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit so of an overreaction. The- mm-hmm. Ever the dutiful wife, Maria followed her exiled husband to another city where they tried to, like, start anew and opened a new butcher shop. But once again, Yaakov was arrested for stealing and exiled again. And so Maria, again, had to uproot her life and follow her disgraced now second husband. She just wants to sell her meat. (laughs) Let Um. her. (laughs) Let her thrive. She's in a butcher shop. Well, she was also, you know. She did sex work, but I'm specifically talking about her working in a butcher shop. (laughs) Oh, it took me a second. I was just going with butcher shop. I didn't didn't associate. That's the only thing I'm going with. She didn't didn't sell sex with consent. So I don't consider. She was a trafficking victim. Yes, Mm -hmm. she was a victim. Okay, so anyway. By this point, Yaakov Buk was drinking heavily and had also become physically abusive. And on one occasion, he even attempted to hang her. Jesus Christ. Wow. She's had a very rough life. Oh, honey, no. In 1914, Maria made the decision to leave him once and for all and return to Tomsk. And after her two terrible marriages, she knew she needed a way to support herself that wouldn't lead her back into a similar situation. She didn't want to depend on a man or a husband. And it was very hard to to avoid in Mm -hmm. these days. As this was the early days of World War I, everyone in Tomsk was was discussing the war effort, and Maria settled on the plan of enlisting in the army. Okay. Mm. She later recalled of her decision, quote, My heart yearned to be there. In the boiling cauldron of war, to be baptized in its fire and scorched in its lava. She was so sick of the Siberian colds that yeah. she wanted to She's throw like, herself into a volcano. Yeah. It's like yeah. a spa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slash, that's how fucking terrible her life was that this yeah. was preferable. She mm-hmm. wanted to be thrown in the boiling cauldron of war. Yeah. Yeah, so I like that. She has a flair for the dramatic in her mm-hmm. writing, and I like it. Oh, she definitely does, and we will get to it. Yes. Amazing. I hope there are diaries. <laughs> no, but mm. there's one really awesome name choice. Okay. 
<laughs> so she attempted to join the Tomsk Reserve Battalion of the Imperial Russian Army, but was rejected because she was a woman. Mm. That was my, yeah, like how how common was were women joining the military at this time? I would imagine mm-hmm. not. It was not allowed yet. Mm. <gasps> so the local commander suggested that she try training as a nurse instead but when Bokareva pushed back, he began to feel sympathy for her and suggested she try writing a letter to Tsar Nicholas II pleading yes. her case. Write the president. Straight to the top. Mm-hmm. Straight to the top. She is a semi-literate peasant. Let's do oh, it. right. I forgot she was semi-literate. She's yeah. literate enough to write a letter. Am I allowed yeah. to like her yet? Can I like her? You can, She was problematic, but you can like her. Okay, because yeah. I like her. Yeah. She was complicated. Yeah. Well, she was problematic, but she was a v- all, very much a victim of her circumstances. We're yeah. all multifaceted. No one is yeah. 100% good or bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hate her. Mm-mm. Excellent. So she followed the commander's advice. And also, like, just the fact that the commander, the commander didn't say this to, like, write her off. He wasn't right. like, write to the czar, bitch. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> Pass the buck. Yeah, all the way up the ladder. He really was like, "Oh, you would be great to be thrown in the boiling cauldron of war." Okay, let's get you in there. We need bodies. (laughs) So she later wrote in her memoirs, uh, "Quote: The commander was deeply impressed by my obstinacy and wanted to help me. He suggested that I should send a telegram to the czar, telling him of my desire to defend the country, of my moral purpose, and beg him to grant me permission to enlist." The commander promised to drop the telegram himself so she didn't have to write it with a recommendation of his own and have it sent from his office. Wow. So he was like, basically wrote her a letter of recommendation to yeah. join war. Mm-hmm. Incredibly, Tsar Nicholas II <laughs> actually received this telegram. And, and slid into her DMs. Yeah, yes, basically. <laughs> and personally authorized Maria Bokareva's entry into the Imperial Army. So wow. she was the first. And he Let was the like, bitch in. Yeah, yeah, sure. She slid into his DMs, it. technically. Big time. Yeah, I mean, like, she, she's Chris got Evans, balls. the shit out of Lizzo. <laughs> she can go. She's got balls. Okay, so according to several sources, Bokareva loved everything about military life. She cut her hair short. She was often seen swaggering around town in her uniform. She also visited brothels and men-only bathhouses and flirted with women. Love it. God bless her. I Get love yours. Mm-hmm. She eventually began using a man's name, same name actually as her abusive ex-second husband, Yaakov. But she... I'm not, like, dead naming her. She, like, she didn't, like, not go by Maria Mm. also. You know what I mean? She was both. Yeah. There were different times. Yeah. After three months of training, she began serving on the front lines in World War I. You're ready. (laughs) (laughs) You can lift these two buckets of water. You're ready. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Can you imagine? I'm not ready to do anything after three months, but sit. I mean, World War One, very much hand-to-hand combat, obviously. Rough shit. I feel like yeah. the front lines were sort of reserved for the less skilled soldiers. Oh, they were just cannon Disposable. fodder. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's like, here, but- just... 
get take our first you know line of defense mm-hmm. the, the good shit's in the second third fourth yeah they were not the Wolf. cavalry yeah but she distinguishes herself so she dealt with incessant ridicule and sexual harassment from her fellow soldiers i know you're shocked you don't say uh thank god that's been cleared up <laughs> she's like mulan. we've overcome it <laughs> she's like mulan right yeah kind of mulani mm-hmm she later recalled that the harassment and ridicule seemed to stop once she had proved herself on the battlefield. She became known for her bravery in combat to her fellow soldiers, and they called her by the nickname Yashka when they grew to trust and respect her. So that's like a nickname from Yaakov, which mm. also kind of shows that, like, to them, she was, like, mad One of the guys. Enough. Yeah. hmm Yashka also, I mean... I know nothing about Russian name conventions, but like Mm -hmm. it sounds like if it ends in an A, it's like a a feminine, like a woman's name. I don't know when that comes to the nicknames, actually. It might be like Misha um, and stuff can be a man's nickname. Well, I was just noticing earlier on here, she married, she married uh, Afanasy Boshkarev and became Bokareva. Bokareva. Like, so yeah. I added an A at the end. Yes. Not just the A, though. It's the Ava. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. It might also be like, um, how, I th- is, is it in Spanish where adding like Ita to the end is like a term of endearment? Oh, like tiny, small? Yeah. It for, might be kind of like that. For the nicknames, like yeah. Yashka, like the Ka, I yeah. think, is is like a nicknaming convention to be to make something seem like little and sweet. Yeah, like that's Billy like what... and Johnny and yeah, Timmy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And then the Ava or Evna versus just Ev, like Nikolaev, mm-hmm. is more of the like last name depending on male or female, depending on your father's name. Hmm. I yeah. The only reason I asked is because maybe like that's kind of their way of accepting her new, more like masculine name, but also just kind Kind of like, like, uh, like a, like approving her as sort of in both ways. Yeah, I think it was more the approving her as the man, but, but like in such a way that it was like friendly. One of the guy, one of the guys. Mm. Either way, as long as they yeah. accepted her, I mean, I guess that's yeah. the point. So she, like we said, known for bravery, comrades, lover. She was wounded in combat several times. At one point, sustaining an injury that left her paralyzed for four months. Oh, my God. She then recovered. She received three medals for bravery. One resulted from actions that led to the rescue of 50 wounded soldiers. Wow. That she personally Yashka. So eventually she was promoted to the role of corporal and commanded 11 men. Just the fact that, like, the first woman in yeah. the Imperial Army is now commanding other soldiers. She's kicking mm-hmm. ass. But by 1917, Yashka had become exhausted from the war that seemed to be dragging on endlessly and the lingering effects from the injuries she had sustained, which, like, she had been fucking paralyzed. So, like, obviously some spinal shit is going down. This is a lot. Mental shit. And she was not the only one. So Mm -hmm. the constant military failures of the Imperial Army combined with the scarcity of food and other commodities at home had made the public turn against the war effort. Now, we're going to get into some, like, Russian Revolution back and forth shit that I only barely understand, so no questions. No questions. Got it. 
So <laughs> you know more about Russian naming conventions. Than, I do. Than, than the Russian <laughs> Revolution. I've, I've read Anna Karenina and I've read part of War and Peace and that's all I've got. It's a lot more than me. <laughs> <laughs> so numerous disaffected soldiers joined angry civilians in the riots that led to the February Revolution, which resulted in Tsar Nicholas abruptly having to abdicate the throne. So the Tsar is out. And that Bye-bye. is when eventually the whole Anastasia and the killing and the, that's, mm. that's her dad. Gotcha. Got it. Okay. I think. Close enough. There's so no meanwhile. Know. I don't know. Anastasia was sure. voiced by fucking Meg Ryan. So it's not like that story was explained to me very accurately either. <laughs> okay. I love her eyebrow filler. <laughs> <laughs> Anastasia Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's good shit. Okay, so meanwhile, Lenin's Bolshevik party was gaining influence by promising peace, land, and bread, which, like, that would work today. Right? Tonight, I was like, right now. Yes, I was lamenting over what I should eat before our recording tonight. And I got so overwhelmed with not knowing what to pick that I just chose bread. Yeah. I just ate bread. It's always going to be good. Mm-hmm. I defaulted so, to quesadillas today for lunch, and that was the best decision I've made all month. You did good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Lenin's peace, land, and bread sounded much more appealing to the exhausted populace than continued war, especially now that the czar had abdicated. They're like, what are we really fighting for again? And like, can war just be over? And can we get I bread? forgot. We've been doing this for yeah. decades. Can we be done? done? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like tired. I'm over it. I've been wearing the same pair of socks for four years. (laughs) And they've been perpetually damp. (laughs) And I haven't eaten in like a few weeks. I'm I'm over it. So I can't with a damp sock. (laughs) So countless you're ready for the front lines. I'm not ready. I'm not. I'd be dead before I got there. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So countless soldiers in the Imperial Army began deserting their posts. They kind of saw the writing on the wall and they're like, we're out. And although she was exhausted herself, all of this gave Bokareva an idea. In a May 1917 meeting with Alexander Kerensky, who had recently become minister of war of this new provisional government now that the Tsar had stepped down, she proposed a solution to the army's fatigue. The creation of all monster female, energy drinks, <laughs> all female battalions. Oh, because the guys are pussing out. Literally, yes. Oh my god, love it. I love this. So Bokareva believed that adding the female battalions would shame the men into continuing to fight and therefore improve overall military morale. I mean, I don't love where his head is at. Her, her head her, is that, but right. sorry, I was right? thinking it was the other guy. But Alexander. she definitely understands the fragility of man. True. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she's going to exploit it. And also, like, like there's just, you know, they've probably, like, recruited or enlisted all of the, like, available, able-bodied men and young right. boys that they possibly can get. Yeah, so she's opening up a whole there. new market. Also, it can't it can't be to just strictly shame the men into coming back. Like she's well aware that women are entirely capable of doing this. Yes, mm-hmm. but that's how I think she sold it. Okay. Yeah. 
Gotcha. So Kerensky agreed to the un- unconventional plan. He would permit Bokareva to form what she dubbed, quote, the Russian Women's Battalion of Death. Okay, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Can we New band name. get those t-shirts, please? The Women's Battalion of Death. Do they have a website? Do they have a merch site? <laughs> What's on sale? <laughs> Make the wedding hashtag for the Women's Battalion of Death. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I don't want to force it, but I will come up with something. Women, <laughs> Russian Women's Battalion of Death to Death to Us part. <gasps> That's good. Crushed. Okay. Crushed it. <laughs> so you can outsource your niche shirt business to me every yeah, now. You're hired. <laughs> I'll be a oh, freelancer. Oh, you're working at the Emporium now. So. Kerensky issued her uniforms and weapons for this new battalion and provided instructors for training. During an evening of political speeches at the Something Something Theater on May 21st, 1917, (laughs) Bokareva gave a speech encouraging Russian women to enlist and defend their country. The speech, which was printed in newspapers the next day, stated, quote, also, she's probably doing this off the top of her head or like, you know, just speaking because like semi-literate. Yeah. Men and women citizens, our mother is perishing. Our mother is Russia. I want to help save her. I want women whose hearts are pure crystal, whose souls are pure, whose impulses are lofty. With such women setting an example of self-sacrifice, you men will realize your duty in this grave hour. Wow. Yeah. That would almost get me to enlist. (laughs) And then I'd stand up and walk Board wherever I have to go to enlist and go, oh, there's walking. <laughs> you would not be accepted and we will get to it. You'd be turned away. So the speech attracted over 2,000 volunteers for service, but only 500 met Bokareva's high standards for who she would enlist in her battalion of death. Wow. I wouldn't. Yeah. Some standards were physical, but others were moral. In her memoirs, she claimed, quote, I sent away 1,500 women for their loose behavior. Check. Loose as a bitch in heat. <laughs> <laughs> loose as a goose on the... I love how she's turning loose. women away for being loose, but, like, she herself was, like, a victim of sex trafficking right. and then also a client at brothels. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> internalized misogyny is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Well, she might mm-hmm. also have wanted to, like, put on the front of, yeah, like, she has- having a highly curated battalion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wants to, like, prove that this idea can work. And so she wants, like, the best of the best. Yeah. And in her eyes, also, like, to improve morale and not, like, complicate things which is probably one of the first like downsides that co-ed soldiery right soldiery sneaking into each other's barracks Mm -hmm. i mean nothing gets you hornier than like hand-to-hand combat (laughs) well i mean actually uniforms hand-to-hand combat war if there's like a really good chance you're gonna die the next day Mm. you kind of just want to fuck right yeah the boiling cauldron of war hello i mean it alights the loins i'd mm-hmm. watch that porn yeah enemy at the gates oh fuck I saving ryan's that privates movie. yeah that's a hot scene and you don't see anything oh shit you don't have to see it to imagine it let's wrap mm-hmm. this up let's wrap this up okay. <laughs> <laughs> lucy's gotta go Whoa. 
<laughs> so it's likely that some women also left voluntarily when, you know, she was like... Had to walk. Yeah. <laughs> so Bokareva <laughs> was an extremely harsh commander and was not popular with her female recruits. Mm. So she was probably... You know how, like, the TA, like, the student TA is always, like, way harsher than the professor? Yeah. They're trying to <laughs> try prove, to prove themselves. Yeah. yeah. So one Russian historian later wrote that, quote, she is convinced that the only way to turn them into soldiers is to divorce them from any hint of femininity. She has their hair shaved. She denies them toothbrushes. Ooh. She wants them to spit and swear and act as masculine as possible. So I mean... I got her there. (laughs) What? Those parts I can do. I can spit. I can swear. Yeah. Uh, Man, doesn't even own a toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him what you did. One time. Tell him what you did. And to be fair, I owned one. I just forgot it at home (laughs) for a couple weeks. No. (laughs) No, That was like our first day in Texas on the next leg of tour. That's true. We were only gone for six days, but it took you a, a, the a, second day we were there <laughs> to get a toothbrush. I think she was only missing it one day. I yeah, I brushed my teeth the morning I got it with a Q-tip, and then we went and got a toothbrush. Okay, the so thought of brushing my teeth with a Q-tip is is so better gross. than nothing. It's better than nothing. So after only a few weeks of training, the Women's Battalion of Death departed for the Western Front to take part in what became known as the Kerensky Offensive. They didn't even get the three months that she got? Three weeks. But three weeks without brushing your teeth? Yeah. I'd be ready to go to war, too. Be ready to kill a man. Mm. Be ready to just get whatever (laughs) over with. I don't care if I die. My mouth is disgusting. Whatever it is, if it's death, if it's victory, I, let's just move Get forward. Get it over with. Let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> so this campaign. It's actually was an excellent strategy now that right? I think about it. Yeah. I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> Get this train rolling. I don't care if it's death, if it's victory. <laughs> As Lucy once said, sometimes death is a mercy. Sometimes. <laughs> Especially if you haven't brushed your teeth in weeks. Yeah. yeah. As long as I don't have to taste my own mouth anymore, I don't <laughs> Give me care. Listerine or give me death. <laughs> so this I'm a campaign <laughs> was basically a last-ditch effort to get the Russian public back on board with the war. Kerensky hoped that a victory or toothpaste would improve morale and also increase support for the provisional government. In the lead-up, Bokareva was promoted to the rank of lieutenant. Get it. The news of the fantastically named Women's Battalion of Death had traveled far and wide by this point, and several international war journalists had traveled to the front lines just to cover the story. So this name is equally as dramatic in Russian as it is in English. Like, this is an uh, absurd, maybe not, but, like, a very dramatic name. It's dramatic. It's dramatic. Intentionally. But also, like, Russia, I feel, is just inherently dramatic. So I wasn't sure if that's just like a, oh, yeah, we'll mark you down as the Women's Battalion of Death. Like, no big deal. I mean, I don't know. I don't speak Russian, but I feel like if you put death in the battalion's name... It's going to draw some attention. And then just mm-hmm. the fact that it's a women's battalion and then it's like of death. That's true. You know? 
it sounds also, like it sounds like a what's it called the ro- the roller skating roller derby. It oh, does. Sounds like a yeah. sick roller derby team. That's that actually my be... case. Is the origins of roller derby. And then they <laughs> strapped on their skates and lost World War One. <laughs> Probably because they were wearing skates. And then they strapped on their skates and lost World skates War One. Skates and trenches do not mix. Not great. Not until they finally <laughs> paved the trenches, and that's how we got the half. That's pipe. what happens when you only have a couple weeks of practice. Right. This is <laughs> okay. So horrifically off the rails. <laughs> So among these international war journalists were female journalists Florence Harper, Bessie Beatty, and Louise Bryant, more badass bitches in their day. These women who were active in the women's rights and suffragist movements back home found Bokareva to be a complicated figure. Skater. She's (laughs) a figure skater. She seemed much less concerned with the advancement of women's rights than with her own unwavering dedication to the war effort and to defending her homeland from Germany. So she was way more about Russia and war and whatever mm-hmm. than she was about, like, women. Mm-hmm. Women. Women. And her claims about the duty to fight often seemed entirely divorced from the actual political situation in Russia. Hint... Their side did not win. Uh-oh. It was already looking very bleak when she started recruiting all these young women. And they sent in the whammo. That's why they sent up that Hail Mary. Literally. Hail Maria. Hail, Hail Maria. Battalion of Death. <laughs> so at one point wow. she described how defeating the German forces would bring about, quote, a new world coming to life, a purged world, a happier and godlier one. But ultimately, these groundbreaking female journalists would all go on to write sympathetically of the Bolshevik Revolution and the Russian people's desire for peace. Okay. So they were like, interesting, uh-huh. but we're siding with the other guy. Maybe on the wrong side of <laughs> Thank history. you so much for your viewpoint. <laughs> so the Women's Battalion of Death was involved in one major battle during the offensive, the Kerensky Offensive, where they performed really well. They succeeded in pushing past three trenches and into German territory. That sounds good. Yeah. But ultimately, it was too late in the broader war effort. Even the prospect of being outperformed by women could not motivate the rest of the army to continue fighting, and people were still deserting right and left because, like, mm. they were deaf going to lose. They were mm. fucking over it. The writing was on the wall. So Florence Harper wrote in one of her dispatches from the front lines, one of those journalists, that the Women's Battalion of Death had failed, but that it was, quote, a splendid failure. (gasps) My epitaph. (laughs) Splendid Splendid failure. failure. (laughs) I only strive. Yeah. If there was a way to make a splendid failure nail art. (laughs) Yeah, they won't fit. No. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> so the male soldiers mutinied and refused to take part in battle and began to fraternize with the German soldiers, their enemies, even going so far as to drink together in the trenches. They literally were like, we're, we're done. done. Yeah. <laughs> the overall Kerensky. I tried to throw up a white flag, but everything I own is stained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Turns out everything is just mud. Brown. My pit-stained flag. <laughs> Next! 
And if I leave this trench, you're going to fucking blow me to smithereens, so... All that will be left of me are my skates. <laughs> yeah. Can you... My smoking can, skates. Can you imagine, like, the first Russian to be like, you guys want a beer? <laughs> are you as bored Vodka? as we are? <laughs> so... The overall offensive became a military catastrophe, ultimately weakening support for the provisional government, leading to the Bolsheviks taking power in the October Revolution, which is after the February Revolution, after which they withdrew from the war and disbanded Bokareva's (laughs) unit and several other female battalions that had also been formed since. No questions. (laughs) (laughs) Now I lost my place because I was going too fast. You're right here. Where'd I go? Bokareva. Bokareva. Hey, Bokareva. I (laughs) had also been wounded in the fighting during the offensive and was briefly detained and questioned by the Bolsheviks, but was released and given permission to return to Tomsk. So it turns out it's really hard to fight a civil war while you're also fighting a world war. Yeah. Mm, Basically, it's a lot of of juggling. Yeah, take that. It's a lot of juggling. (laughs) Yug. It's a lot to yuggle. <laughs> so, so basically, in the Civil War, her side loses, and now the Bolsheviks are, like, firmly in charge, and so she is kind of uh, a target. Mm. In... 1918, however, she's detained again, this time on suspicion that she was affiliated with the anti-Soviet white army. Mm. This time she's sentenced to execution. Also, my grandmother was one year old. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. R.I.P. It was time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. My grandmother was a was. Almost walking when this happened. Maria could have given birth to your grandmother. Probably. Oh, time is fucking wild, y'all. Yup. (laughs) So she's sentenced to execution, but she's rescued by a soldier who had served under her back in 1915 and who had enough influence with the Bolsheviks to convince them to stay her execution and grant her a passport to leave the country. So she did. She was admired enough by like a male soldier underling Mm. to like save her so she gets the fuck out of dodge in april of 1918 bokareva left by steamship for the united states her trip was funded by a wealthy american women's rights activist named florence jeffrey harriman she arrived in san francisco and eventually made her way to new york city and then washington dc where she was granted a personal meeting with president woodrow wilson she slid into another country leader's dm yeah, yeah. is he right? the guy with the big dick no oh that was lbj that's lbj woodrow wilson BJ. like founded uh or like had the idea for the un <laughs> oh. oh that's neat anyway so I just love that she like talked to the czar, became talk a lieutenant, talked to the president. Talk to the president. <laughs> she begged President Wilson to intervene in Russia in a plea that moved him to tears, but he did not intervene. She then returned to New York and dictated her memoirs, Yashka, My Life as a Peasant, Exile, and Soldier, to a Russian immigrant journalist who translated it into English. Cool. So she's written a memoir. She's met the <gasps> she's president. She's an illiterate author. Next, she traveled to England, where she met King George V. What the fuck? And the British suffragist, Emmeline Pankhurst, who's like a big deal. This bitch can network. Mm-hmm. 
But Bokareva's one true love was always Mother Russia. And so mm. she made the fateful decision to return to her homeland to form a women's medical unit for the white army. So she's like, whatever, new guys are in charge. That's mm. fine. I was going to say, but, she must have had a way to yeah. bypass her exile. But before she could complete her task, she was captured by the Bolsheviks. <gasps> She was interrogated for four months before once again being sentenced to death. And this time, nobody came to save her. And so she was executed by firing squad on May 16th, 1920, as a, quote, enemy of the people. My God. And are you ready for the twist? No. She was executed by her abusive husband. No, not that I know of. But all of this happened in her life. Exiled twice, two marriages, childhood, trafficked into a brothel, became a lieutenant, started a battalion, met the king, met the president, met the da-da-da. She was 30. What? She was 30 years old. When they killed her by firing squad? Yep. She was 30. 30. 3-0. Yep. All right. Well, you've successfully made me feel horrible (laughs) about my life's accomplishments. We started singular. a <laughs> Literally we singular. Met Nancy Grace. Czar <laughs> Nancy Grace. <laughs> I yeah. met Obama once. That was probably, well, a couple times, but that's yeah. probably my greatest accomplishments. Yeah, she did all of that in 15 years. Two exiles, two husbands, became the first woman in the army. Became a corporal, became a lieutenant, started a battalion of death. Changed the face of the Russian military during the First World War. met U.S. Baptized my grandmother. British king. (laughs) (laughs) Gave birth to your grandmother. Mentored my grandmother. (laughs) Oh, my God. Did she mentor your grandmother? Was like an early lesbian. Wow. Yep. My God. 30. That just gave me heartburn. Yeah. I feel so, that's- so bad about myself. <laughs> I didn't do anything today. <laughs> I know. Did you brush your teeth? Yeah. Okay. I brushed my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Which is more than some of these women did in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really didn't do much today either. I had paint toenails on my to-do list well, and okay. didn't get to it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did a lot today compared to the I two tra- of you, but... I tried on four bathing suits. <laughs> I mean, I signed some paperwork, wrote some emails, got my eyelids tattooed, so I got some <laughs> stuff done. I had an hour of therapy. You know, well, I did good. some things. <laughs> that's good. I got my eyelids tattooed. <laughs> Anyway, that's Maria Bokareva. Shall I'm we- busy. I'm too busy for war. <laughs> Although your eyelids would look amazing in the middle of war. They would. They would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to do your eyeliner before no. battle. Thank God. Battle. I can't I can't manage to do my eyeliner without battle, which is why I got these done. Can you it's imagine? It's a battle to do my eyeliner. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm never good at it. Honestly, having my fake lashes for like a full year and a half. Yeah. I don't miss it, but like in my heart, I kind of miss it. That's I know. Fair. I, I'll <laughs> never go back, great. but they looked so great. 
Mm-hmm. They're so damaging. But if yeah. I happen to find myself in the trenches in Russia in World You'll War One, I look fucking fine. <laughs> I look good. Okay. Let's hear a quick word from our with HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Oh, for these reasons and many more, uh, Hello HelloFresh offers over 25 recipes to choose from each week, from vegetarian meals to craft Burgers and extra mm. special gourmet options. Hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. And like super simple. I yeah. love cooking with HelloFresh because their recipe cards give you little step-by-step photos. It, it's it's really difficult to mess up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, I made the winner winner chicken orzo dinner. Yum. Oh my lord, I'm a huge fan of orzo. Mm-hmm. But as with everybody, you find something that you like, you find a recipe that you like, and you just make it over and over the same thing. Yep. I am so susceptible to recipe ruts. Mm-hmm. So I just love getting new meals and new recipes all the time with HelloFresh. This one has this cheesy roasted zucchini and tomato. Ugh. I got to be honest, I wasn't into, like, vegetables that much. <laughs> I'm not a vegetable person. Not really, but I kind of, it, it, Hello, these HelloFresh recipes taught me different ways to roast them in the mm-hmm. oven and with different ingredients. And now I'm, like, fully aboard the veggie train. You appreciate now. I do. And Hello, you soups appreciate. I soups appreciate. And HelloFresh's fresh ingredients are sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week. Contact free, of course. Mm-hmm. Prevents you from overbuying. I got. I always go back to the basil anecdote. Yes. My it God, it dies before I can ever use it all. Whoa. It wilts in my fridge, and then I have to throw it out. All herbs are just. I just speaking of graveyards, my fridge mm-hmm. tends to be an herb graveyard, and it just yeah. makes me so sad. So HelloFresh j- gives you just what you need, nothing more. There's no waste. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Gals12 and use code Gals12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Yeah, you heard that right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gals12 and use code Gals12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping, and treat your dinner rut. I'll trade it. As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and as we're moving through our 30s, nothing oh, is comfortable. God. No. We're all looking for as much comfort as we can possibly get. Mm-hmm. My bed is my happy place. Yep. I just, I don't ever want to peel myself out of it. And frankly... Why? You can eat mm-hmm. your meals in bed. You can yep. work in bed. Yep. Take that Zoom meeting in bed. Yep. So the only thing... Oh, no, thing... my camera's not working. Yeah. Oops. Oh, whoops. Mm. <laughs> the one thing I can always count on is how comfortable my purple mattress is. The oh primary reason I do not want to leave my bed. Seriously. Purple is magic. It's like sorcery. It's so good. 
And that is because Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has The Grid, which is a stretchy gel material that is amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, your neck, your hips. I don't know how it does it. I There's that meme going around right now that's like a side-by-side where in your 20s you can like pass out cuddling like a gallon of milk in a garbage can and wake up and like go do yoga at 8 a.m. and be fine. And now in yeah. your 30s, you like, oh, I slept with my head one degree to the left and now I can't <laughs> walk for four days. <laughs> Like, that's where I am in my life. Reality has hit us hard. Hard. It (laughs) happens faster than you think, folks. So if you are young and vibrant now, it's preventative. Now is the time to get your purple mattress. (laughs) Don't do what we did and wait until you're in that part of your life. (laughs) Um, And because of how it's designed, the grid doesn't trap air. Okay, this is my favorite thing about it because I'm a sweaty Betty when I sleep. Air actually circulates and flows through this mattress so it keeps you comfortable and cool. You will not overheat. And the grid bounces back as you move and shift. So with memory foam, it remembers everything, like every indent. No one wants to remember everything. No. And then as a result of that, you get craters and divots that don't bounce back. But the grid bounces back so you're not dealing with... The divots. The divot is so bad for your sleep. It can get really bad. Yeah. Um, And right now, you can try your Purple Mattress risk-free with the free shipping and returns and financing is available too. And if you're not ready for the whole mattress, at least get the pillows. I have the pillows and they are unbelievable. They also use that grid technology. You never have to flip the pillow for the cool side of the pillow mm-hmm. it supports your neck your head it keeps you cool it is the best pillow on the market we have one of the purple pillows and mm-hmm. it is a nightly struggle with my spouse who mm. gets who gets the good pillow the answer is you he does not get the pillow ever get no. his he gets his own pillow he has to go get his own pillow yeah go go get your own pillow so Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash gals10, G-A-L-S-1-0, and use promo code gals10. That's purple.com slash gals10, promo code gals10, for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash gals10, promo code gals10. Terms apply. Treat you sleep. Treat it. Are you just like me and you dread looking at your credit card statement every month? Oh, yes. Is it physically painful to open that app (laughs) and look at your balance? If if, if your first response is to just turn a blind eye, this is for you. Yup. Hi. (laughs) Welcome. I embrace you, dear friend. I am you and you are me. Um, Upstart can lift that weight off your shoulders so that you can finally feel the relief of being free of credit card debt. Oh, tell me more. Yes. So Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. We love anything that is 100% online. Uh Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Simple people, Mm -hmm. it's simple. 
Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. This means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. It's personalized. Yes. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Ah, I love that. Yeah. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Oh, that's amazing. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash gals. That's upstart.com slash gals. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. So go to upstart.com slash gals and treat your debt. Treat it. Are we ready for my kills? Maybe not. <laughs> it's not as brutal as Kenyon's. That wasn't but... brutal. I'd say it was inspiring. Yeah, but there's war. Mm, okay. So I love any excuse to learn about badass women in history. So my sincere thanks to our fan picker for today's episode. I'm going to be talking about infamous liberator Nanny of the Maroons, <laughs> a.k.a. Queen Nanny. Nanny of the Macaroons? No. Nanny of the Maroon Fibers? No. <laughs> so Queen Nanny's origin story is shrouded Queen in mystery. Nanny. I'm just picturing the dog from Peter Pan. No. Is this person actually named Nanny or was that their occupation? Her name, her like give her birth name is unknown because she was sold into slavery. Oh, Okay. Okay. So, so an enslaved woman. Yes. Got it. Gotcha. So her origin story is shrouded in mystery. No one knows exactly when she was born or her name at birth, but it is historically understood that Queen Nanny was born in what is now Ghana, West Af- Africa, around 1686. Okay. While it is unclear whether Queen Nanny arrived in Jamaica as a free woman in the late 17th century or arrived there as an enslaved woman, she and her four brothers were sold into slavery in Jamaica and sent to work on a plantation. Before long, they escaped the plantation and took to the mountains and jungles of eastern Jamaica or windward Jamaica. Mm. This area was already established by formerly enslaved Africans who had been freed by their Spanish captors when the Brits took Jamaica from Spain in 1655. Some more complicated geopolitical shit. Well, Mm -hmm. so then the Spanish captors were probably just like, fuck you, Britain. We're freeing all of our slaves. Like, good luck. Basically. Yes. Right. Basically. So when the Brits took over, the Windward Maroons staunchly refused to be taken back into slavery and the combination of rugged conditions in the area that they'd settled in and their skills as fighters, they were able to maintain their freedom. Amazing. With the arrival of liberationist Queen Nanny and her incredible leadership, a portion of the area became became known as Nanny Town and continued to grow as a refuge for freed and escaped enslaved Africans. So she just kind of threw, like you said, her leadership skills. She was just kind of recognized by the community as being a leader. Oh, she establishes herself as a leader. Okay. And, and so she has... They they bestow upon her the, the title Queen Nanny. Mm-hmm. I mean, she goes by many iterations right. of Nanny, but Queen Nanny is like the most popularized one. Because there's not an actual like monarchy in Jamaica. There's no queen. No. This it was, was just all a nickname. colonized by the... I mean, technically there is a monarchy because it's all colonized by the British, but oh, not in Jamaica itself as like 
their own established Sovereign. government. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a colony at this point. Gotcha. So this refuge that they'd settled in was high above and away from English settlements and plantations. And that served like the terrain alone served as protection from the attacks of angry white colonists who wanted their quote unquote property back. Human so property though, or land property? Yes. That's why I human, put it in quotes. Human. Like they're, they're, they're enslaved, enslaved people. people. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure you weren't talking about the actual land that they were occupying. No, no, they fucked they, up either no. way, but like way more they fucked can't up cultivate. as human property. They the the more fucked up one, yes. right? The Brits were not like skilled enough propagators and farmers to properly cultivate like the, the terrain that they had settled in. They just so they didn't the give people. a fuck about the land. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, though Queen Nanny was not one to shy away from a fight, she was also a skilled diplomat and settled many disputes through peaceful means, including farming and trade. So, like, she had skills in both and would trade those skills and actual, like, farmed items for peaceful, you know, interaction with her now neighbors, basically. But this did not keep her from successfully raiding nearby plantations and liberating over a thousand enslaved Africans throughout her reign. Oh my god! Yes, Queen Nanny. She's a fucking badass. Oh, damn! That's amazing. You don't even. I am obsessed with her. How are we not learning about these people in fucking school? Because all Uh, of our systems are colonialist, racist bullshit. I know. So she was such a successful liberator, in fact, that she pissed off the British, who were deeply embarrassed by being undermined by a embarrassado. They were deeply pregnant (laughs) by a black woman. So the Brits assembled hunting parties who were sent into the unruly Jamaican jungles and mountains to attack Nanny Town. And be interviewed by Oprah and systematically take down the monarchy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's basically nanny town's mission (laughs) so this attack would turn into all-out war that began in 1720 and lasted 19 years before a truce was finally declared in 1739 i mean that sounds like a long time but how long has the u.s been in afghanistan 20 no for sure literally 20 and it's it's we're not going to get into the truce itself because that's kind of where the story ends. But it's important to note that like a truce with the British is not great. Oh, like, ask for any these folks. native people in the U.S. Exactly. Yeah, the U.S. For, for, exactly. So basically, these communities of free Africans were only allowed to live unattacked if they agreed to fight for the British when needed to not harbor mm-hmm. any escaped enslaved Africans and to even help the British capture escaped enslaved Africans, which I don't think they they were like, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do that. And then they like didn't do it. Which they also did. The Brits did the same thing during the mm-hmm. American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they the truth was freed fucked. enslaved people if they fought for the Brits. It's super exploitative where it's like, we'll stop attacking you if. Yeah. But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. So between 1720 and 1728, the Windward Maroons, and Maroons are like a West African people that now live in Jamaica. Oh, okay. okay. Because Held in down, French, it means brown. Sure. So that might be where it came from. Could be. But if it's like a societally acceptable term there, then I'll take it. Yes. 
So they held down Nanny Town. It was captured by the British on multiple occasions throughout that like first eight year stretch of war. But each and every time, Queen Nanny led the Maroons back to victory with their skilled combat tactics and understanding of the brutal landscape. Yeah. So they were situated adjacent to a ravine with only one road to access the town and people like soldiers couldn't even stand shoulder to shoulder on that road. They had to go up the road single file. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So they were just like, you're not getting in unless we let you. Yeah. And they were able to just pick off the Brits. Because they were like like, up on a hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as like they tried to get up guerrilla there. warfare. They're not fucking around. They know quite literally. Yeah, they had like the, like a natural fortress almost. They did, yeah. which is like exactly why they wanted to to settle in that area. It's good strategy. Yeah, it is. And they were also able to trick the Brits into ambushes and lure them toward hordes of hidden Maroons people who were so skilled, like even up against the better armed and equipped. Mm-hmm. British troops, they were just, the Brits were no fucking match for them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. The Brits ret- tried to retaliate with night raids, attempting to kill them as they slept, but many accounts indicate that these raids didn't lead to much bloodshed with deaths only in the single digits while they were picking off the Brits by like the hundreds. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> floral in spring, revolutionary. Right? Yeah. Bright red floral. <laughs> so Queen Nanny was the mastermind behind the Maroons' military tactics. There were other Maroons communities across Jamaica, and Queen Nanny established a means of long-distance contact that allowed these communities to mobilize and support each other against British invasion. Whoa. So she did this by crafting horns made from carved cow horn, like literal hollowed-out cow horn. Beautiful. And there's like a bunch of really stunning artwork of her, and in almost all of the artwork, she's like clutching her horn. That's so cool. And these horns were capable of signaling lookouts with the, with sound that carried over extremely long distances. And the Brits did not have this kind of communication capability and were unfamiliar with the sound and like what it meant. Mm-hmm. So they weren't able to decipher its meaning. And this gave the Maroons a huge advantage. That's amazing. They also mastered the art of camouflage. Quote, oral history recounts that Nanny herself would cover her soldiers with branches and leaves, instructing them to stand as still as possible so that they would resemble trees. As the British soldiers approached completely unaware that they were surrounded, they would swiftly be picked off by the Maroons. Oh, yeah. God, I love this. Early ghillie suits. Oh, yes. But, like, it's it's so intense to imagine it. I don't. Uh, do they have like gunpowder, like guns at this point, or is mm-hmm. this like? Oh yeah, they did. Okay. But mm-hmm. did the maroons like have it? No. Well, they could maybe. They probably like confiscated some Correct. from the ones they, they like killed. acquired it, but that yeah. was not. They didn't that. have a supplier. Yeah. No, they absolutely right. did not. And guns were not part of their tactics. Right. It was like if they a- got their hands on on guns that they had confiscated from British soldiers that they picked off. Sure, but they it's not like like Kenyon said, they don't have a means to get like more ammunition. So they don't really right, have guns gonna powder. Say, right. Exactly. I was gonna say it's probably it's a lot easier to get the gun than the gunpowder. Exactly. So they're just like using like ve- like earlier, like the hand to hand combat, like knives yeah. and well, yeah, they don't, they don't have a giant colonial power nope. shipping them supplies. It's, I mean it's literal guerrilla warfare. Yeah. They're just 
They're they're yeah. very skilled fighters. So British hunting parties were mostly made up of British soldiers who were very easy to see. I mean, they're primarily white, although a lot of the Brits did recruit enslaved or recently freed Africans to also fight on their side. Mm -hmm. And by recruit, I mean like extort. Force them mm -hmm. to. Yeah. yeah, force. But they were easy to see. They also were in uniform. Like right. these uniforms are... Heavy, bright and, red. Yeah, heavy red, red. and white. Yeah, heavier it's not, gold they're not blending shit in. all over it. So while the Brits would be like scouring large stretches of jungle seeking out the Maroons, the Maroons were so good at camouflaging themselves that they could watch these soldiers walk like within inches of them mm -hmm. without the soldiers seeing them. And British soldiers would document the jungle coming to life and chopping their heads off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the most badass fucking thing I've ever heard. Maybe you could that's how leave then. Right. God. They, and I do like, kind of feel bad for some of these like, because like these British soldiers, it's not like they're like wealthy either. War sucks. Hot I mean, take. war sucks, but I'm not going to feel bad for no, I mean, if, if, if we're boiling yeah. it down to ideology of both parties, then I'm no. definitely on the side of the Maroons here. But like, it sucks about to have your head cut off. Like a, like a, yeah, just all these yeah, but individual like if you, yes. costs of war. There, a life is a life. It doesn't matter whose. But Sometimes it matters. I mean, if it's like an... <laughs> so Queen Nanny. You know what I'm guided, saying. Also guided the Maroons <laughs> in like taught them how to make small undetectable fires so that her soldiers could like cook and sustain in the jungle without being detected. Detected. <gasps> That's cool. Mini fires. Yeah, just like little fires and then like how to cover them, basically making like little like ovens. And like hide the smoke so and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Isn't just flowing up. She also taught her soldiers like slowed breathing practices so that British soldiers couldn't hear these soldiers, even, again, if they were coming within inches of them at either in their hiding places or camouflage. That is fucking badass. Oh, These are like so fucking like Navy SEALs. Yeah. I was thinking I like... Out. They're like green berets in the mm -hmm. fucking Jamaican jungle. The word that the word that leapt to mind was like like Buddhist, like almost like meditation, but then obviously yeah. I don't want to attribute I mean, that's essentially Buddhism what to they're... Yeah, yeah. It, that's like what they're pra it's like meditative breathing that's slow and it's like you using your mind and your intentions to kind mm -hmm. of control your bodily like your limbic system. Totally. That's it's so interesting that we both went to like these badass female military commanders mm -hmm. in history. Yeah. Well, we don't, don't learn know. a lot about them otherwise. Mm -hmm. No, we don't. I've never heard of Queen Nanny and I've never heard of Yashka. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. So Queen Nanny's tactics were so good that many rumors began to spread of her use of magic to imbibe the Maroons with such skills. She must be a witch. Exactly. Yeah. It's been suggested that Queen Nanny was a practitioner of Obi, which, quote, is a system of spiritual healing and justice making developed among enslaved West Africans in the West Indies. Obi is not a rigid set of practices in the way that, like, we understand organized religion. And historians attribute the naming and definition of these practices to white colonizers, particularly law enforcement, who wanted to demonize traditional spiritual practices of African peoples. Mm -hmm. 
quote, different Afro-Caribbean communities use their own terminology to describe the practice, such as spellcasting, among the Jamaican Windward Maroons. Obi is similar to other African diaspora religions, such as Palo, Santeria, and Hoodoo, in that it, indi- in, in that it includes communication with ancestors and spirits and healing rituals. Nevertheless, it differs from religions like Voodoo and Santeria, in that there is no explicit canon of gods or deities that is worshipped, and the practice is generally an individual action rather than part of a collective ceremony or offering. Yeah, she's probably teaching them meditation and, like, basic right. yoga. Well, she was, like, an herbalist. She's a right. spiritualist. She's, she's a like healer who's using wounds. the items in her environment. Well, yeah, of course, like... Western born Christian right. people are yeah. just like, oh, like, it's Satan. Gonna, I don't right. get so her shit. Yeah. She's connected to her ancestors and the earth and is a fucking badass, like, military Strategist. leader. Yeah. Must be a witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are lots of incredible legends about Queen Nanny, and here's another one. Legend has it that Queen Nanny's spiritual practices and deep connection to her ancestors is credited with saving the Maroons in 1737 when, quote, at the height of the Maroon resistance against the British, Nanny and her people were near starvation and she was on the brink of surrender when she heard voices from her ancestors telling her not to give up. When she awoke, she found pumpkin seeds in her pocket, which she planted on the hillside. Within a week, the seeds grew into large plants laden with pumpkins that provided much-needed food for the starving community. A week? Pumpkins take forever to grow. That's what you don't believe? It's... Not that she woke up with pumpkin seeds in her pocket? They take a lot of water, grew too. so fast. It's apocryphal. There's lots I mean, it's, of... a, it's a legend. <laughs> right. It probably didn't happen this way. Right. I mean, I'm she into it. She had the Either foresight way. to plant some pumpkins, mm-hmm. and they came in handy. There you go. Yeah. To this day, one of the hills near Nannytown is known as Pumpkin Hill. Mm, Love it. That's There cute. are also legends of Queen Nanny being able to literally catch bullets with her bare hands, mm-hmm. which sounds bonkers, but is actually a developed she art form in some parts gloves. of Africa. I'm sorry. She didn't wear gloves. What? That's a real thing? Bullet catching is like a thing. It's like an art form of entertainment. Oh. Okay, they're not automatic rifles. No, it's they're not muskets. pistols. It's muskets. Right. It's a musket it's way ball. slower. It's, yeah. yeah. It's physically actually possible. A thousand not percent. Easy. Not for me. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to pick up a dead fly earlier with my fingers. I couldn't do it. <laughs> let alone a live so fly. bullet catching let alone is bullet. not in loose. Not in Lucy's None of future. us are prepared for the rigors of the boiling cauldron of war. <laughs> no. I just Mm-mm. got this eyeliner done. <laughs> There's also a fade in the sun. Yes. <laughs> There's also a bit of lore that is one of the most absurd and kind of amazing things I've ever heard. That Queen Nanny could catch bullets with her butt and fart them back at soldiers. Oh, hold on. Clearly, this was a British twist on I Queen Nanny's skills as a fighter. Say, and this sounds possibly like kind of racist. her real ability to catch bullets with her hands, but the Brits were so fucking butthurt that this woman who was consistently destroying them over the course of decades that they had to spin some vulgar bullshit about her. Also, like, whether- wi- like bodies of African women... With, yeah. like, a larger backside, like, the focus on the butts of African women. Oh, it's women. racist, it's misogynistic, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ab- they absolutely created these stories to, right. to strip her of her humanity and right. 
But because they were fucking afraid of her. It, because they right. were terrified of her. Because she's fucking unstoppable. Right. So, like, own it. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll fucking fart bullets back mm-hmm. at you assholes. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to end up dead. Yeah. yeah. You're losing either way. Yeah. So, much like Queen Nanny's birth, her death is also shrouded in mystery. Though Captain William Cuffey is credited with shooting and killing Queen Nanny in 1733, allowing for the final capture and abolition of Nanny Town by the Brits in 1734, quote, others said that the British had not destroyed the Maroons, nor did they kill Nanny. She and some of the survivors took refuge, it is believed, near the Rio Grande in Jamaica, end quote. When Maroon leaders signed a peace treaty with the British that we talked about earlier, the the one that's not great, but ended this 19-year war anyway, Mm -hmm. part of the agreement was a 500-acre allotment of land which was referred to as New Nanny Town and is now known as Moore Town. Those who believe in her survival say she lived there until old age, dying peacefully of natural causes around 1750, which is what I'd like to choose to believe. Mm -hmm. Another maroon legend, and possibly my favorite of them all, claims that if any straight-haired white man goes to the original nanny town, he is immediately struck dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well, that area is sacred. Stay the fuck out. So, stay the fuck out. Did Queen Nanny have a hand in your grandmother's like education or? Rearing? I don't think so because they they were like ships birth. passing in the night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, didn't, they missed each other by less than 100 years. <laughs> I feel like your grandma gets <laughs> oh, older no, every years. time we talk about her. <laughs> I know, right? No, but it's true. So whichever, you know, end of, of Queen Nanny's life you choose to believe, she is regarded as a hero in Jamaica and is still honored to this day. Her face appears on their $500 banknote, which is the largest note in circulation in Jamaica. Damn. And she was also given the honor of, quote, right excellent, which is a rarely awarded heroic honor in Jamaica. Currently, there are only seven such heroes, and Nanny is the only woman. That's so cool. <gasps> Cheers to mm-hmm. her on Queen that banknote. Isn't she so Cheers. badass? And then I put, I I put the banknote. I put the banknote and some art of Queen Nanny on the drive for the blog. It's the banknote is super badass. So gorgeous. And so there's one, I think there, I don't know. If, uh, yeah, there's a painting of her with a horn and oh, then pumpkins. Oh, Queen Nanny. And mm-hmm. a statue. She's beautiful. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I love, I love all the art of her. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like her in the pumpkin field. Mm-hmm. And that like amazing black and white warrior queens mm-hmm. d- drawing is so fucking good. Yeah, Where's the pumpkin? I love her. I'm yeah. Oh, oh there it is with the baby. God, I'm a, God bless Queen Nanny. I'm a Rest fan in power, of Queen Nanny. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Well, very cool. Never ever knew that story because of our limited white supremacist colonial upbringing. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thank you to our fan picker, Aubrey Kloop. Aubrey Uh, Kloops. Kloops off to you. Kloops off to you, Aubrey Kloop. Thanks for clooping us into this awesome topic. So good. Loved it. Amazing. And we will see you next week with another amazing episode, hopefully. And hopefully my eyes will be healed. (laughs) Just blinking her. And she'll be ready for the front. Goodbye. (laughs)
Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!